It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at chumbacasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With a new podcast every day of the Premier League season, this is Football Social Daily. Hello, this is Football Social Daily, another romp through the day's latest football news with a focus on the Premier League. It's a rare moment's respite in the top flight today. There hasn't been many of those this year, but there is no Monday night football. But we are preparing to get back into the Champions League midweek. So not much of a respite, but an opportunity to step back and take stock. So for today, our focus isn't going to be so much on the Premier League. It's going to be more on the actual World Cup, which is, of course, just around the corner. We are 20 days out from the tournament kicking off. There are a fair few incidents this weekend that might have an impact on what happens for England in the desert sun this winter. We're going to get onto that shortly. Look at what happened at the weekend and how it might impact Gareth Southgate's choices a week on Thursday. I think it is he announces his final squad. I'm Jim Salverson, and on the podcast today, it's Niall McCorn. Hello, Niall. Hello, Jim. And it's Marley Anderson. Hello, Marley. Good morning. Good. We're both all here. We're both all here. (laughs) We're all here. (laughs) We're all present. We're all correct. We are going to get onto that World Cup stuff shortly, but we need to kick off Monday, as we always do, with a little bit of a Monday moan, a whinge, a venting of spleen. We're going to put something in the sea each. So, what got your goat this weekend? Niall, what wound you up from the weekend's action? I wanted to put Christian Pulisic in the sea. And this might annoy some of the American listeners to Football Social Daily, who I know a few of are quite but fond of Christian Le- Pulisic. But he's LeBron James of soccer, <laughs> according to uh, the guys who run the pawn shop. What are you talking about? The po- have you pawn not seen stars. The- oh, clearly you've not seen the clip, have you? No. Right. Somebody brings in a signed Pulisic t-shirt, um, t-shirt in a thing. And um, is it Pawn Stars where they, yeah. they try and rate it? And then they're all like, this guy's the next Cristiano Ronaldo. And they're like proper up his backside and it's he's just a squad player for Chelsea. There is something weird about US soccer players in that Clint Dempsey, for example, he yeah. massively increased the Premier League good stakes player. in America. Like, Clint Dempsey was a good player. And quality, yeah. Pulisic's a good player, but he's not that good. No. And the reason I'm putting him in the seat is he missed an absolute sitter for Chelsea against Brighton. 
Fair play to Brighton, by the way, who came out and absolutely floored Chelsea. They came flying out the blocks. They were all over Chelsea. They had three chances. Then they scored. Then they scored again. They were two up inside 15 minutes, I think. Um, they absolutely flattened mm. Chelsea, which is an uh, incredible performance from Roberto De Zerbi's team, uh, fully deserving. But whilst the score was 2-0, I'm pretty sure Christian Pulisic missed a really good chance. Um, that's not why I'm putting him in the seat. I was going to say, that's a bit harsh. To put it's a little bit harsh, but it, it just reminded me of the fact that a few weeks back on Football Social Daily, we were discussing the fact that an excerpt from Christian Pulisic's book had been released. Mm. And it was him basically saying he was disappointed in the manager, Thomas Tuchel, and that Thomas Tuchel kind of, um, what's the word, uh, let, let him down or something like that. You know, he lost lost faith in the manager because he was promised that he was going to get a game in the Champions League final and instead he went for... Kai Havertz. Havertz scored the goal to win Chelsea the Champions League final. So first of all, I didn't understand why Pulisic was complaining. He's got a Champions League winner's medal, which he wouldn't have had it not been for his teammate. So I was a little bit frustrated at that. And the fact that he released the excerpt or his PR team, I'm not sure it's specifically or explicitly Christian Pulisic. They released it something like four days after Thomas Tuchel had been sacked. Mm. His book came out in October. So this month. And he he thinks he's better than he is. He thinks he's better than he is. He's a good football player, but he's he's not one of the best in the league by no stretch of the imagination. By by the sounds of it, he wasn't even the best player at Dortmund when he was there. It's so tough, I mean, I just putting him in the sea because I think that first of all, I didn't like the way that he released the excerpt of the book straight after Tuchel had been sacked. I mean, yeah, okay, maybe he didn't see eye to eye with the manager, but something like a week after the manager's been sacked, I don't think that is particularly a wise decision because it makes it look like. Pulisic was on board with it and mm. actually he's quite glad that he's gone. This is a guy who won Chelsea the Champions League and got him to got Chelsea to two cup finals. Well, you've got to assume the book was coming out anyway. So it, you've got to assume was. even if Tuchel was still in that position, the statement, dumbfounded but and I, disappointed, I think was the phrase that was used I don't used get in the this. Book. Why has Christian Pulisic got a book anyway? Well, he's 24, isn't he? He's, he's got to tell his life story. He's 24 <laughs> and he's... Quarter life century. Exactly. I mean, what, what, has he got, what has he got to say? I think the problem is it's the advice some of these players get rather than what the players want themselves. And there's also an element of context. It's yeah. Because he would have been aware that that book could have been released whilst Thomas Tuchel was still in his job. Mm. So he's not going to do something to jeopardise his future at a club. Yeah. And it's the context that is around that phrase. I don't think saying you're disappointed and feel a little bit let down not to play a Champions League final was that no, devastating, the, particularly was, if he's had that conversation with Tuchel already. It was the tone, I think, mm. and the timing of the excerpt that annoyed me. And I know this is kind of dredging up something from a couple of weeks back, but I just don't I just don't get the hype. Sorry, sorry. And you know what's going to happen now is he's going to turn up for America in the World Cup and he's going to score a couple of goals past <laughs> yeah, England yeah. and people are going to give me absolute pelters <laughs> for it. You can just see it because that's what happens in football. But he does, he does feel like a player the... who's had endless potential but never quite fulfilled it. Just always injured. He's always injured. Isn't he, so. Always injured. Can't stay fit. I've got another reason to, to put a dig in on him. His book on Amazon is... Have a guess how much? It's 25. We're oh, talking hardback or softback or this Kindle is, uh, edition. Only, only one option, hardcover. Oh, well, I All think right, we're talking 25 quid. quid then. 30 quid. Yeah, I think that's all right. That's for a hardback book. How is that all right? It's a stocking filler. That's shocking. That's a stocking, stocking filler. filler. <laughs> if that's a stocking filler, Jim, can you adopt me? <laughs> that's that's not for a Your hardback kid, book. That's average prices. Most, it's whether you well, want a hardback copy of Christian Pulisic's book or not. It's another question entirely. All right, so we'll put Pulisic in the sea. Marley, what are you going to throw in? Um, I Again, it, 
it was similar to last week. I don't have that much that really stood out for me this week. That's because Newcastle um, won again. <laughs> very true. Every yeah. time Newcastle win, you come in on yeah, a Monday well, and you're we, like, well, I don't well, really have we, anything to we moan win about. Most weeks now, so you know, <laughs> <laughs> we're getting there. Um, okay, I, I do have something, and it's it's a little bit moot, but it's it is what it is. This is this is. The section of the podcast doesn't have to be the most serious, but it's um, it's Nottingham Forest's defending again. Um, and looking at them getting battered at the weekend by Arsenal, I know it's probably not the best game to uh, to sort of look at and go, well, they're terrible at defending. But <laughs> I look at I look at them. Everything comes back to the money they spent in the summer, doesn't it? Um, his the choices to go and sign all those players. Is is fine. I, I do think they needed a lot. However, only three of those signings, three of twenty five or twenty three, whatever it was, were centre backs, and those centre backs were Willy Bolly, who was basically an opportunistic signing of, oh yeah, let's get Willy Bolly if Wolves don't want him. Um, Musa Niakate, who's injured, and the other one was a lad they've got on loan from um, Wren, I think, uh, Loic Bade. And he hasn't played a game. What I'm saying is, if you are spending 150 million pound and you're coming up to the to, to the the Premier League, you should be spending a fair chunk of that money on your centre backs first, mm. because without that base, you cannot go into a Premier League season with Steve Cook and Scott McKenna as your centre backs and expect them to to uh, to keep out teams like Arsenal and like you know the. However many goals, I think they conceded, got a goal difference is like minus 20 or something at the minute. Because mm. they keep getting pumped, 5-0, five, 5-1. Five five you know, there's there's loads of goals going past them. And you look at the centre-backs and go, Cook and McKenna, that, that's such a championship like, d- level defence. Then you look at like Joe Worrell, who's the captain, who he might play a little bit. But he's got the same problem. He's not. They're just not good enough. And I wanted to see them in the summer sign premium centre-back sign go and spend 40 50 million if you if you have to but that was the problem with their recruitment wasn't it they recruited yeah. who was available Scattergun. rather than who they needed to bring into that team and yeah. centre-backs were really hard to come by this summer like the, just the most he spent on a centre-back was near Carte, 9 million and he'd been captain at Mainz for 18 months so it was, it was kind of like it was as close to they got as a big level defender I watched him first game of the season um, at St James's Callum Wilson just ruined him like just physically, and he he's massive this near but he he, lo- he lost his rag dead easy, easily wound up, um, and now he's injured. I think he's on his hamstring. He's out till Christmas, like after the World Cup. So I, I don't know. I just when you're spending all that money, when you're spending forty million on Gibbs White, and when you're paying Jesse Lingard, God knows how much a week, mm. could you have not spent that money on, um, even someone like someone of the of the calibre of, like, Joe Gomez, who wasn't, um, like, somebody who's at a top club but not first choice. Mm. Come on loan for a year. See see what we do. If we stay up, we'll pay you this if you want to stay with us, and it's all fine. You know, it's... But you look at the you look at the, the defence, and the centre-backs are terrible, and then the... Well, they're limited, let's say, and the full-backs, Aurier, is... has always been a calamity. <laughs> like he's some he, once in every eight weeks he turns in a proper mint performance, mm. and the other the other nine of those ten weeks he gets booked or scores an own goal or does something absolutely mental. And you seen Granite Xhaka literally jog past him at the weekend. Well, Granite one of our having a great goals. season to be fair. He is, <laughs> yeah. but if he breaks from defensive midfield and your right back just goes, oh, ah, what's he doing there? 
rather than go, oh crap, that's danger. I'll go and I'll go mark him. It's just it's there's so many problems there, and I'm, I'm not actually sure it's think- the coaching problem because you've just got that many guys there. I think you've got to be careful when you say something like this and level this at any team or any players or any professionals. But is there an element of them not caring as much? That's what Steve Cooper suggested. Because if you think about if you think about Serge Aurier, Aurier and Renault don't care. He played for Tottenham. I'm sorry. He's thinking, I'm here for basically is he here for a payday? Jesse Lingard, not saying he doesn't care. I'm sure he absolutely does. But when you think about the players that they've got, it was a bit like, remember when QPR had that team? Mm. They had yeah, Rui Ferdinand, they had right Phillips, they had Cranchard. They had and proper little like baller players. Like, yeah, oh, this guy's great. They had a few, but did any of them really care that much? It was interesting because last night, I don't know if you saw Match of the Day too, but weirdly, yeah. Michael Antonio was one of the pundits. Quite he good. was talking about Nottingham Forest and he said, oh, why isn't Steve Cooper playing the players that got him up? Why yeah. doesn't he go back Th- to the championship was, team? This, it's like, they're not there anymore. This was my yeah. thing. Like That's mm. such an obvious hole in his in his punditry. Like you've, like you've It's something you look at if you haven't done research because yeah. there was only, I think there was seven, was there, mm. who came up from the championship that were still there. And then the goalie handed in a transfer request. But that would be the ideal so it was scenario, like, wouldn't it? That's the ideal in terms of Forest, yeah. and what you would do in any other scenario when you brought in new signings and they didn't look like they were putting the graft in and they didn't look like they were playing together as a team, you'd go, right, let's revert to the team that took us up from the championship. But that's not an option for Steve Cooper. Yeah. So the only option he has is making that team work or spending a bucket load of money in January, which yeah, I don't think is out of the question. I don't think that's necessary. I think they, they could end up spending big in January as well if they can. Then, I don't even know how the financial play rules work. You do, and you've got to you've got to allow them to gel mm. and hope they're they're good enough and hope they gel and hope your results go your way and then you're basically back at square one, but but taking another fresh gamble on on ten more players or five more the, players. Whatever where's you get. the sell-on value in any of these players? If you look at a club like Brighton and Graham Potter, who was pretty crestfallen in his post-match interview after Chelsea got smashed, and in all fairness to him, fair play because he stuck up for himself. He went. Yeah, okay, they booed me, whatever, but I did a good job at Brighton. He knows that, he did a good job, right? That he did nearly a great got job in at Brighton. My, my getting to see the fact that they booed him. Well, the, the Brighton, Brighton fans. Yeah. Why, I thought that was a bit Why on earth would uh, you boo Graham Potter? You'd be playing in a frigging car park without this guy. Chelsea <laughs> had ripped out their whole backroom team. And he, he, took, he didn't just leave, he took the assistant, the goalkeeping coach. But that's, how, that's, that's your team? That's, that's, you follow, that's you how follow it works, them around? Yeah, of course, yeah. I read something this morning, Javi at Barcelona is um, I think his brother's one of the scouts. Somebody else is is assistant manager who's got no experience. A, a physio got sacked by a, a league, a third-tier Spanish club, and the people were going mad at him because they were like, you might be brilliant, but the team around you is mm. terrible. And it's like, but that's it. It's a management mm. team. You, you go everywhere. Yeah. That happens with every club at every yeah, level. Exactly. But I mean, what, what Potter was saying was that when I was at Brighton, I managed to make players into valuable assets for the club. And he's absolutely right because before he went to Chelsea, he sold Mark Kukurea there, Ben White, fifty million to Arsenal, mm-hmm. Bissouma. Bissouma was a deliberate Spurs. model, though, wasn't it? Right? Yeah, yeah. Which, which Forest model. haven't got. Where's in the sell-on value for Nottingham Forest and any of their players? I don't think they've got any. Where's the sell? I don't know what the length of the contracts are because, to be honest, when you sign twenty-three players in a summer, it's impossible to remember how much each player has signed for and how long mm. they've signed on a deal for. I don't know how long they've signed Jesse Lingard for. Is it a one year? Is it a, a year. two year? Yeah, it's a year? All right, year. okay, so he leaves on a free. So there's no sell-on yeah. value for him. I don't know about Aurier. I don't know about anyone else. I think Aurier's on a one year as well because he know, was a free agent, I think. The only one really would be would be the Gibbs-White one, but they need to hope that he's worth more than £45 million <laughs> in the next two or three years, which we don't know will be the case. So, I mean, it's not 
a coincidence that their head of recruitment and their head of scouting have both been sacked in the last month, in the same week that Steve Cooper got a new contract, which takes him up mm. to 2025. So we're putting in the sea, the Nottingham Forest recruitment team. Again. Yeah, who <laughs> are already probably in the sea because they've lost their jobs <laughs> in the last couple of weeks. But there we go. They're in the sea anyway. Final one from me. Any guesses for who I'm putting in the sea this week? West Ham's finishing ability. <laughs> uh, no, it wasn't actually. But, I mean, I've put them in the sea a few times. Oh, Klopp again. Of course. It's, oh, of course. It's yeah. Oh, God. Klopp. Oh, Look, God. People are going to get more, on The Twitter more he now. continues whinging in post-match press conferences, the more I'm going to put him in the sea. Because we've had wind, grass, early kickoffs, referees, stadium, and this week the Jurgen Klopp wheel of excuses landed on, well, pretty much everything. It was squad depth, it was too many games, and it was a lack of quality. Oh, it's always too many games with Klopp. That, well, that is an is annoyance. It, that's the bit that it's annoys really me most. It's really annoying. Because we know and the situation is right about crazy squad depth, season. by the way, because I don't think Liverpool have invested well at all but look at the teams around them as well so he talks about squad depth and loads of games right Arsenal are in a really similar position Michael Arteta has a really small squad that he picks from they have as many games they're playing in European competitions and they find themselves top of the table Mm -hmm. two points clear of Manchester City Spurs are playing Champions League football. So are Chelsea. Manchester United are in Europa. But all think, of them are above Liverpool. But I've, all have I've the had same this argument on play. the podcast before. Squad depth is not necessarily about the amount of players you have. There's a difference between squad depth and squad quality. And I think a lot of the times the lines are blurred between those two things. Manchester City, everyone thinks they've got a massive squad. It's nonsense. They've got one of the smallest squads in the league. What it is with Pep Guardiola is he rotates them all the time. Mm. So you've got actually players who can step in. You've got a couple of players in each position, but they don't have 35 players in this. They haven't had a left-back for six years. I think Man City are an anomaly, though. <laughs> so, one. I mean, you have to take Man City out of the but, equation. But, but Mikel Arteta's doing the same thing at Arsenal. Smaller mm. squad. But he doesn't. He, they don't, I don't think yeah. Mikel Arteta has it, the depth that Liverpool has. And Arteta's has. got Liverpool, centre-backs playing right-back and left-back at the minute. With Liverpool, they don't need four players in every position. They just need better players. Mm. Their midfield... You need two first 11s. If you're going to compete yeah, on all fronts, do. like City do. Which is why City like rotate Liverpool all the to. time. Which is why we talk about Pep Roulette when we're talking about FPL, trying to mm. get our teams right. Who's Pep going to pick? Will he pick Mahrez this week? Or will he pick Foden? Foden hasn't started the last few games. He's been really good form. So that comes down to the manager then, doesn't it? It does. To but be it, able to rotate your but, team. But also, I, I, I do agree with Klopp in terms of the investment. Liverpool's midfield is absolutely cooked. Without Thiago... There's a massive drop-off in quality there. Fabinho is just isn't as good as he was two years ago for whatever mm. reason. Milner's getting old. Henderson can't stay fit and is also getting a little bit past it. They've just got no real options in terms of replacements. Arta Mello is... I watched him for the under-21s playing for Liverpool about a month ago. Really poor. And then they've got Harvey Elliott, who's still 19-20, trying to learn the ropes. Curtis Jones, is he quite good enough to play for Liverpool? Uh, don't know. Should they be beating Leeds? They should be beating Leeds, of course. <laughs> should they be beating Nottingham Forest? Of course. <laughs> and is them being a little bit tired and not having quite enough quality despite playing Alisson Becker, Alexander-Arnold, Gomez, Van Dijk, mm-hmm. Robertson, Fabinho, Elliot, Thiago, Firmino, Nunes and Salah in their first 11? Yeah, they should have beaten them. So Absolutely. stop making excuses, Klopp. <laughs> Deal with it. It's your problem. You're the manager. Address games. the issues and sort it out. I'm with you. The excuse about too many games, Jurgen Klopp, that really winds me up. He always whinges about that. I think his demeanour's changed slightly, though. This is the reason I wanted to bring it up, because I think he's cutting a really frustrated figure at the moment. Mm. I think he looks like he has run out of ideas. And I don't think it's a ridiculous suggestion to suggest that he walks out of Liverpool before Christmas. Before Christmas? Before Christmas. I if can't they, see that. Two more games. I can't see that. Well, then you've got post-World Cup. There's a couple of games, isn't there? Yeah, but he's, well. he, not before Christmas. No? Well, no, yeah. no, no. Before the end of the season? 
Maybe. I could maybe see him calling it a day at the end of the season. I would agree with that. Um, I seen something today about um, just a th- like a theory and somebody was saying about if uh, if he goes in the summer, for example, there's going to be... Steve Gerrard's a free... <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm saying there's going to be a few job, few top jobs around Europe going. Juventus mm. might be going, Real Madrid might be going, uh, Barcelona could be going... There could be there could be some real temptations for him to to pack up and and go somewhere else. I think it feels like an end is coming very soon. And I spent Sunday in Liverpool, and the amount of that's a shame. <laughs> the amount of uh, plaques and posters right. singing their praises for Jurgen Klopp around that city at the moment. They will be devastated if he leaves, and it'll be a real difficult job to replace. He's been it. amazing for them. He has, but everything runs its course. Yeah, and. You know, we saw a glimpse of this a couple of years ago when they needed Allison to score a header against West Brom to get them <laughs> in the top four, and um, maybe, maybe the time is coming to an end. I mean, but there, there are various theories and reasons for that. But you're right; they're not playing well enough at the moment. So, get in the sea, Jurgen Klopp, and I will continue to put in the sea until you stop moaning, which doesn't appear to be happening anytime soon. Better buy some like put some armbands or a dinghy. <laughs> we're such hypocrites, aren't we? Our section is called Monday Moan and we're putting Jurgen Klopp in the sea for having a moan. Yeah, it is a bit hypocritical. Right, we're going to talk about the weekend World Cup wrap next because a lot of things happened over the weekend's Premier League action that will have a knock-on effect at Qatar. We'll talk about the big issues like Marcus Rashford finding form and Bayako Sacco getting injured next on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Welcome back to Football Social Daily, 20 days away from the kickoff of the World Cup in Qatar, which has come round silly quickly. And there are a few things that happened this weekend in the Premier League that might be playing on Gareth Southgate's mind as the week progresses. First off, the good news. Marcus Rashford finding a bit of form at the moment. Scored at the weekend, great header against West Ham. Mm. Southgate names his squad a week on Thursday, I think it is. The form he's found, Niall, and he's talked about after the game how he'd not been in the best position mentally and he'd kind of sorted his head out a little bit. Does this form come too late for him in order to get into that World Cup squad? Or do you think Gareth Southgate will look at what he's done previously for England? He's a favourite in that squad and he will already have him in his mind to go. I think he goes. And I think I'm right in saying he wasn't in the last England squad. Whether that was due to injury or not, I'm not sure. But... I think he goes because 
I think the header against West Ham was really good. Uh, I've not seen Marcus Rashford score a header like that. I think ever, at least in my memory. Um, he nearly scored one five minutes before, didn't he? With, with the straight at the goalie, but the power mm. and the the jump was mm. perfect. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And obviously on the counter, he's blistering. He, he's still got pace. He can finish. His one on one finishing is actually very good. People say Marcus Rashford can't finish. He's he in can. a spot at the moment where, in the last three or four games, there was a couple of Europa League games and the game against Spurs, where Larice was just in ridiculous form in that Spurs game. Marcus Rashford could have had two in that game at least and then against Omonia Nicosia the goalkeeper was in ridiculous form as well um, made some brilliant saves three or four chances Rashford could have had a hat trick or even four goals in the first half of that game so had things been a little different for him he might have even had more goals this season to speak of but I think if you look at the goals he scored obviously a really good header against West Ham this weekend he scored against Liverpool this season he scored against Arsenal this season He's he's been in the big games and sometimes criticism that's been levelled at Marcus Rashford is that he doesn't turn up at some of the big games on occasion. Um, but I don't think that that's, that's fair to say this season. I think that mm. he's been there. He's stayed fit for the majority of the season. He can operate off the left as well as through the middle. So he's versatile. So yeah, I, th- I think that he goes. I think that Southgate was there to watch a few players yesterday. I think he was there to watch Rice, he was there to watch Bowen, he was there to watch Maguire, Luke Shaw and Marcus Rashford. And I think the fact Jaden Sancho didn't get a game means that there's no chance he yeah, goes. No chance. And I think if there is going to be a forward player from Manchester United that goes to the World Cup for England, it, it has to be Marcus Rashford. And also, let's not forget the link-up play between Shaw and Rashford on that left-hand side for Manchester United over the last three or four years has been really good. Will... Then you got Chilwell and Sterling at uh, Chelsea as well. Doing, exactly. Will that play into the Luke, Luke Shaw is first it's all about left back. Yeah, but he surely. wasn't. You got to remember, he didn't go to the World Cup in Russia. No, Luke Shaw. He wasn't. He was nowhere near it. And obviously, uh, was Jose Mourinho the manager at the time? It was, I think it was, so yeah. you know, you know, it wasn't really working out because they didn't get on, did they? Let's face it, Mourinho and Shaw. But he came back under Solskjaer. Had a really good season. I think the COVID season, behind closed doors season. Him and Rashford. I've got a good understanding mm. and I think that that does certainly play a part and it took a while for Southgate to be convinced by Shaw he was in under Hodgson out under Southgate originally back in for the Euros scored in the final so I think Shaw goes and also Rashford and I think now he's worked his way back in I think he has done enough interestingly on the headering thing headering. Marcus Rashford has scored two headers this season in his entire career before this season he scored four so it's clearly Seven, something he's worked on adding yeah. to his game, I suggest. People forget about Rashford. He's six foot two, I think. Is he's, he? a, he's, a, he's a big lad. Mm. He's a big he's, lad. He's so tall, if, you, yeah. if you can use that at the far post, which is exactly what he did against Cairo, mm. who just couldn't be bothered jumping mm. and should have defended it better, you know, <laughs> try stopping him. Yeah. You don't want an absolute beast coming in like that. He's much, piling more, in he's much more built than he used to be as well. He yeah. spent some time in the gym. Like when he first came in, obviously as a 17, 18 year old, he was tall, but he was wiry. I think he spent some speed, time in the gym. So yeah. yeah. In terms of Rashford going, Marley, does that mean your boy, Callum Wilson, misses out? Because if Southgate's better not a team on form, he's surely got to go. 100% he's got to go. I've always thought with with Wilson as as a finisher, there aren't too many better than, than than him. There aren't three better strikers in terms of finishing than him in the in the league. Kane's obviously yeah, uh, well he, you know, he clear goes. and he plays ninety minutes anyway. So the the whole argument's kind of warped with the fact that whoever goes behind Kane isn't going to play a bloody game. Mm. 
But but that's the flexibility of Callum Wilson yeah. and Rashford. Like Rashford can play on but, the left, Callum yeah. Wilson what's, can play out but wide. But also, well. what's happened with Tony as well? We were speaking about Tony a month ago, saying yeah. he's got to go to the World Cup. But the form changes quickly in the mm. Premier League. So like Kane goes, we know that. I think Rashford goes probably as a wider option. And he's suspended next week. Tony, so he doesn't even get another game to to sort of. Calvert Lewin started scoring goals too late, mm. been injured, won't go. Abraham, be honest, I've no idea how he's getting on at Roma. I've not seen it much of them this season, really. So actually, it's it's Kane and who's second to Kane? Is it Abraham, Tony, or Wilson? That's, Has Wilson moved up into that slot now? Do you that's, think? I think so. Yeah, because I think there's there's a pool of strikers, and some of these names are going to sound ridiculous because not, they haven't been informed. Like there's. Kane's obviously way ahead. Then there's Wilson, Ings, Tony, Bamford, Abraham, and Vardy when he was when he was around. And whoever's in form at the time, it's 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 about timing. You wouldn't send Calvert Lewin to the World Cup now. He missed from five yards at the weekend with mm. with a shin, yeah. and he's played Two three games, games since yeah. coming back. Mm. And one of them he scored a scored a goal in, which was a decent goal, but it's not enough. Bamford looks like a competition winner who's got picked to play up on front for Leeds. <laughs> he, this season. he looks he's significantly been unfit. Shocking. I know yeah. he's unfit because he's been injured, but weight-wise, yeah. yeah, yeah, he looks. Yeah, he looks, looks a bit heavy. Looks, yeah, a bit cumbersome. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, so he's not going. You've got Wilson, who's I, I think is is um, I was in a match the last night. His goals to finishing goals to minutes ratio is as good as um, is better than anyone except Kane, I think, in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, you look at Tony, who's got more goals than Wilson, but some of them, I think at least three at penalties. Wilson's yeah. had one uh, penalty this season, which was at the weekend. So, you know, there's there's that. He plays on his own up front, like England play with. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a similar system. If we're playing 4-3-3, he plays 4-3-3 every week. Um, and also, I think with Kane dropping deeper for Spurs to be a creator, if you if England ever went with a 4-2-3-1, is it not beyond the realms of possibility that you can say to Kane, like, you, you can be the one who drops deeper and, and we'll leave Callum up there because mm. he's he's fast. And everyone always says the thing with, with Wilson... If, oh, Southgate would never do that in a World Cup, though, would he? He'd never go, let's try something new. Oh, no, he might, he might, he might play 4 3 one He might, because he's done it before. Back four with then Rice and Phillips would screen in front and then mm. you've got your forward four yeah. players. So, I mean, but normally well, it's Kane as, as the point, isn't it, really? If he plays, like, three at the back, which he absolutely loves, <laughs> three at the back, you've got your wing-backs. Then if you play, you know, so there's your back five, you have two in midfield, Bellingham and Rice, for example. Then you could either have two strikers and uh, and one deeper, or you could have two sort of inverted wingers and one centre-forward. Mm. And I think with if you played the two up front, Kane could playing that system with Wilson because he'd drop deep and say right Carl you lead the line you go and bully people and, and getting just get in the faces and they've got two things to worry about because everyone wants to follow Harry Kane to the ball so if he comes deep they all go crap Kane's got the ball we'll go to him and Wilson goes right I've got space so for me I he'd definitely go I am biased but also the stats back me up so I don't really think I am and the one thing that people say about him oh well he doesn't stay fit, but if he's fit when the plane sets off for Qatar, you take him. Mm-hmm. If he gets injured while you're out there, you go, oh, maybe we shouldn't have took him. But you can't. You've, you've, there's only one way to find out if a guy gets injured, and it's to, to play him. Yeah, I think that flexibility is key because we know if Kane's fit, Kane plays, mm-hmm. and there'll be very little flexibility on that. So that ability to kind of fill those wide positions is going to be key, and that's an area that England are very well versed in. We talked about. Raheem Sterling a moment ago. He's he's not in form. Chelsea no, aren't no, in form. No, no. At the so, moment. so who are our strikers then? Kane, Wilson, and 
Rashford. Abraham, Tony, Calvert Lewin, Rashford. Rashford. Okay. Kane. And then out Wilson. wide is Bowen going? Nope. No. So who's 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 playing out wide? Sterling. Well, I I take Rashford as as a winger. I think Rashford will go as a winger, yeah. and I think Abraham. It'll be Abraham, Kane, and Wilson. As the strikers. I don't think so. Tammy Abraham scored. To answer your question about how he's doing, he's scored two goals so far this season mm. in 11 starts. For... Well, he did get like 19 last season. Although it is about recent form. In, in, in terms of those wide positions, one of the headaches that Southgate has particularly got is Saka, who limped mm. off at the weekend. A back problem, apparently, it is. Arteta says hopefully he's not a doubt for the World Cup, but it didn't sound particularly positive. He's been one of the standout players in the Premier League from an English perspective this season so far. Yeah. How much of a blow is that if he doesn't go? Or is, like I say, it's one of the areas, it's one of the parts of the pitch where West Ham have got, a, West Ham, where England <laughs> have got a few options. So it's, is it that devastating that he might not make it? It's more of a blow than if uh, Bakary Sacco was injured, like you called him before the break. Well, was, <laughs> <laughs> he plays for Levia Dakos or something in, in the Greek league. Um, a shock call. The guy that used to play for Wolves. Uh, no, yeah, Bakayo Saka is going to be a miss, but... I, I think, think he's a starter, isn't uh, he, for, I, for Southgate? Southgate? I think at this Wilson. point he is. And actually, uh, Saka started the season slowly. And people would think, well, how can he have started slowly with the way Arsenal uh, had been going? But I think up until the Manchester United game at Old Trafford, which was in September, mid-September, something like that, he didn't he didn't actually register a goal for Arsenal up to that point. Um, Martinelli, Erdegaard, Jesus had all been playing better than Saka. And it took him a while to get into his stride, but... Um, I was never on board with Bukayo Saka, um, particularly for the Euros. I thought he was there too soon. I don't think he had really had enough experience, but it, I'm I'm pleased to say since missing the penalty in the final of the Euros mm. against Italy, he's bounced back really well. And I think that that's the test of his character. And I always remember the the video of him walking into the training ground and there was like a big wall they had set up in the indoor school with like loads of cards and pictures and paintings and drawings and messages from fans about, you know, Bukayo Saka because he received some pretty nasty racial abuse mm. off the back of missing that penalty. Um, and I feel like he took inspiration from that and he's really bounced back well and credit to Arteta who's obviously coached him brilliantly. But yeah, I mean, if he's injured, then... That's obviously a blow. I don't think he misses the World Cup, by the way. I think he's all right. I think he's just got a bit of a bit of a bruise or a dead leg or something. I think we'll see him back in a couple of weeks, if if not next weekend. I don't think we'll see him play on Thursday in the Europa. He played on for a few minutes as well, which is always a, a decent sign. Like I think I heard I heard he got injured because I was driving when uh, when I was when the Arsenal game was on, but he um he did carry on for a little bit and it usually is a sign that, you know, he didn't go down like clutching his ankle which was facing three different directions or anything like that. It's so. a complicated thing your back though, isn't it? It's like, it's one can of those be, things yeah. that can, like a little bit of sciatica or a little niggle can really cause you problems. Usually can be managed with painkillers though. Yeah. And if you look at what Short happened to anyway. Rafa Varane for Man United the other day when he got injured against Chelsea and he just burst into tears because mm. he thought his World Cup was over. Mm. Uh, Saka didn't, look as emotional in my opinion yeah. when he when he came off um, so I, I think he'll be right I mean Mikel Arteta says he's hopeful so fingers crossed on that one but he definitely goes you mentioned that injury for Varane bad news for Manchester United good news for Harry Maguire got some rare minutes this weekend for Manchester United in the heart of their defence did alright kept a clean sheet against yeah. West Ham he 
from the I was listening to the radio commentary. Sorry, made a great he, tackle towards some, the end. Some good he, he was better well. at the end than at the start. I was saying, he sounded like he was a bit sh- shaky in yeah. the first half, from what I heard. The highlights mm-hmm. that I watched were very limited, so there wasn't a lot going on. But it sounded like he was shaky from the radio commentary. We know he's going to start in the heart of mm-hmm. Gareth Southgate's defence. He is first choice centre back. So it's important, I guess. It's more important that he finds game time, has game time and finds form now rather than playing for his place, I guess. Yeah, I just think with, with Maguire, like you said, the the start was a little bit shaky. I think actually at the end when West Ham were throwing everything at Manchester United trying to get that equaliser, I think he defended better. I think when his back's to the wall, balls are going into the box. He made a really important block, whether he meant yeah. it or not, but against Bowen, when Bowen mm. tried to sweep it into the corner, yeah. it just hits the back of his calf and bounces away and then Dallow can clear at the back post. I just think when it's all hands to the pump, I think Maguire actually turns into the defender you want in the penalty area because you know he's yeah. going to throw himself at everything. Yeah. You know if he's going to head everything away. Yeah. You know, if you're you know, under pressure, he's he's as good as they come. Exactly. But it's, it's when you get caught on the counter-attack and you can turn him and it's like, okay, and, then he's he looks limited. And but. I'm glad you brought that up, Marley, because there was one moment in the first half where the ball breaks for, for Ben Rama on the halfway line. Maguire steps out of the back four goes to try and meet Ben Rama. Ben Rama gets there first and just clips the ball over the top of him and all of a sudden there's a massive hole mm-hmm. in the United defence. West Ham didn't capitalise in the end mm-hmm. but I think it might have gone to Bowen who actually had a shot which was saved by David De Gea but as soon as Harry Maguire comes rushing out and David Luiz used to do this actually for Chelsea and times you'd see his floppy hair coming out and you think oh no David he's either going to get booked or he's going to Give you know he's he's going to completely gonna leave a hole in the back, yeah. and then the team is going to take advantage of it. Um, but when he stays in, and David Luiz used to do this, when David Luiz would stay in, like he did in a back three under Antonio Conte when Chelsea won the league in 2017, he looked one of the best defenders in the league. And I know you're talking about two different types of players here, but I think Maguire maybe in a back three where he doesn't have to step out, or if he does step out, he's got two defenders who can then cover the space in behind. Mm. I think he's probably better suited to that. Um, so yeah, actually, when it was backs to the wall and West Ham were really throwing everything at Manchester United, I thought he defended really, really well. So good signs, but obviously a little bit more game time required, as you say, to to really get up to speed for the World Cup. Because my concern is, as an England supporter, if Kyle Walker goes, which if I think Gareth Southgate has a sniff that he's going to be fit enough to go, he'll take him yep. and he'll play him on the right of a back three. God. I think to have Maguire lacking match minutes... Walker having not played a game for a month. And also not a centre-back. And Southgate's the only manager that's ever played him as a centre-back. But you think those two, right, next to each other, that's going to be a a concern for Mm. me. I I want players who have had minutes. Like, you know, you can't have Walker who's not played for a month, just come back off injury, and Maguire who's played two games in the last four months. It's just, it doesn't sound like a good idea. Maybe the, I mean, this, this won't happen, but I think if you, if you're England and you're sort of in the, first knockout stage for example let's say we're beating Belgium 2-1 for example if you're if you start with like let's say Stones and Tomori or something like that and you're doing alright and then you know you concede a goal to make it 2-1 and it gets a bit nervy that's when you bring Harry Maguire on you yeah. go to a back three because mm-hmm. you think if we're going to be on the edge of our box you need you need a, a unit that will just head everything and block everything yeah. take well, one in the face John if he Stones hasn't played very much either yeah. Mm. Also, but, but he's still the best centre back. I think he's the best English centre back out there. Well, on the ball, he probably is. And I think in fact, yeah. In, and if in, you're gonna if you're gonna play on the front foot and get turned and yeah. someone's coming at you, you don't want Maguire. You want Stones. And actually, in fairness to Harry Maguire, and it's not often I criticise this player, but I will. Um, Casemiro was was good again uh, and brings a calmness to the United midfield. But 
I was watching Maguire when he was getting the ball and he just, there were times in the second half where he just no options. There was just no one for him to pass the ball to. Casemiro was almost not hiding behind another player, but the angles weren't there for, for Maguire to pass into the midfield. There were a couple of times he did try and do that. But I do think that if you're not making it easy for him, he is liable to then just try something which might not work. And then the whole crowd goes, oh, there's the groan and the deflation and then the confidence drops at another mm. level again. So that's not a criticism of Casemiro as if to say, you know, he did that the whole game. But there are a couple of times where Maguire was on the ball, coming out from the back, looking for a midfielder to pass to. Eriksen Fernandez were further forward. Casemiro was the kind of the, the deep, deeper line player and there was just no angle to pass to him. So he'd either have to turn around, go back to De Gea or whatever. I think naturally he's quite a positive player. He, he does like to try and pass mm. the ball forward. Um, maybe with Rice and maybe with Bellingham in the midfield that might change for England who knows it's kind of possibly a microcosm of what we're talking about with Forrest though as well it's players learning to play together and Casemiro and Maguire have not had no. much if any time on the pitch together so it's you a relationship what? thing it's a great point I think that could be the first game they've ever played together there you go I made a great point. I knew it was going to happen one day. <laughs> yeah, <very laughs> it was <well> overdue. <laughs> right, we're going to talk more World Cup next because, like I say, 20 days to go. We've talked about some strikers. We're going to test Niall and Marley's knowledge on some of the greatest strikers ever to play in the World Cup. We'll do it next on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Football's Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Final bit of today's Football Social Daily and it's a bit of quiz action. Hot quiz action. 20 days to go to the World Cup. Gareth Southgate mulling over his striking options at the moment. So I've got a quiz about the world's greatest ever World Cup strikers. I'm going to give you a series of clues about the players and how they performed at the World Cup. You need to buzz in with who you think the player is. So they're all amongst the top goal scorer charts when it comes to the World Cup and its history. Okay. Yeah. Not confident, by the way. First clue. I, I've got. I, I'm. I'm confident. I'm. I'm sure I'll get at least one. I reckon. Debut World Cup, Mexico '86, scored four goals. I have a guess. Jurgen Klinsmann. Incorrect. Made his name at Italia '90, where he scored six goals. Golden boot, I think, as well. Can I have another guess? Yep. Bebeto. No. <laughs> Joint eighth <laughs> on the list of all-time World Cup goal scorers and England's only player in the top 30. Gary Lineker. Correct. Well done. It's too easy. <laughs> Despite your two, two incorrect <laughs> guesses. Yeah. I th- thought you'd go a bit niche. Bloody Lineker. Next. What well, was the next clue? One shot on the pitch. <laughs> 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 smells like cheese and onion <laughs> this player has 12 World Cup goals to his name they were scored across four World Cups with the most coming in his very first tournament where he scored six that tournament was in Sweden in 1958 his last was in Mexico in 1970 I've got to guess Pele it is Pele congratulations oh, <laughs> it's 1-1 one, one. Was that difficult enough for you? Was that okay? Uh, it was all right, okay. yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, I got so it. Wait, so wait, Mexico happy. had the World Cup in 1971 and 1986. That's crazy. Oh, Jim's panicking. Yeah, no, it did. No, no, no. That's, yeah, it's correct. I'm not uh, arguing with Jim's question. Yeah, just, I just thought that was a bit weird for them to have two World Cups yeah. so close. I mean, Dodge's gone on 15 there, 15 years it? apart. 
Mm. Right, next one. Played in four World Cups. Scored five in his debut competition. That was in Japan and South Korea in 2002. Miroslav Closer. Correct. Uh, well I knew done. One, that was one a great guess. That, that's and I was the just only one. For... I was, that's why I said I was confident I'd yeah. get at least one. He's the, is he still be. the all-time leading World Cup goal scorer? Yeah, 15. Top goal scorer in World Cup history at the moment. Because he went to... Did he go to 2010 when he was... Like 37. Getting yeah. on a bit and... Still playing at the moment. Is he? Unlikely to get a World Cup call up. He's not <laughs> but still, still playing, playing at the moment. Surely not. Yeah, he's still playing. I don't know where he's playing. He's be like some far-flung corner of the earth, but he's still Serious? playing. No, he's a manager. He retired in 2016. No, but... I, well, maybe. Okay. He's a manager <laughs> for Kreindorf Altach. Oh. oh. Are you sure he's not a player manager? I've got their away shirt. Last <laughs> <laughs> Austrian okay. Bundesliga team. Wow. Next up. What's the score at the moment? Two for Nile, one two, for Marley. Two, one, yeah. He is only one of two players in the top 30 all-time to still be playing. The other is Thomas Muller. <laughs> it's not Miroslav Klose. No, I'm, I'm confusing <laughs> Muller and Klose, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> he has played in four World Cups, about to play in five. His debut was against Germany, 2006. He oh, only Scott. scored one goal. Is it Ronaldo? It is Cristiano Ronaldo. <sighs> So, Niles won, 3-1, but we'll do the final one anyway, see if you can grab a bit of pride, Marley. He has as many World Cup goals as he has appearances. That's six, all in one tournament. The tournament was Russia 2018. He'll be hoping to add to his tally at this year's World Cup I in Qatar. I know who it is, but I'll let Marley. And if he gets injured before the World Cup, England are screwed. Are <laughs> <laughs> you kidding? <laughs> yeah, yeah, well done. Two, three. Certainly not a drumming. There Should have know. squared it to Sterling. <laughs> I was amazed that Harry Kane <laughs> yeah. has got six goals in six games. Well, I think four of them Cup came history. against Panama, didn't they? Or three of them? Yeah, it kind of yeah. skews the stats slightly suddenly, doesn't it? That is it for today's Football Social Daily. Thank you very much for listening. There is a load of European football happening this weekend. The Champions League, Europa League and Europa Conference will keep you abreast of all of that and the rest of the Premier League news as the week goes on. Don't forget, you can get involved in the chat via our Telegram group. It's like a posh WhatsApp. If you want to get involved there, you can find the links you need at the very top of our Twitter, which is at FSD pod. Click subscribe so you never miss an episode. We'll see you next time. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode.